Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? This Thursday, April 15th, is one of the most important days in sports and society, as it marks 74 years since Jackie Robinson became the first black player in Major League Baseball. On the 50th anniversary, which came 25 years after Robinson's death, the league retired the number 42. Seven years later, MLB established Jackie Robinson Day, and in 2005, every player began wearing 42 to commemorate the day. On June 2nd, MLB will commemorate the 80th anniversary of Lou Gehrig's death and the 96th anniversary of Gehrig breaking into the Yankee lineup, beginning a record 2,130 consecutive games played. All players, managers, and coaches will wear a special uniform patch and red 4 ALS sweatbands will be available to honor the Iron Horse's number and raise awareness for the disease that claimed his life. Gehrig will join Robinson and Roberto Clemente as the only players to have a day reserved in their honor across MLB. Clemente is honored every September. Last Thursday, April 8th, was another important day, and it was the first anniversary without the man who made it special. On April 8th, 1974, Hank Aaron became the home run king with his 715th home run, passing Babe Ruth on the all-time list. As Vin Scully called it for the Dodgers playing the Braves that evening, what a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. As MLB has done for Robinson, Clemente, and Gehrig, hopefully April 8th will become Hank Aaron Day. In the league's decision to move this year's All-Star game from Atlanta in the wake of Georgia's new voting law, there are echoes of Scully's call, and a day to commemorate Aaron would be a fitting honor. In February, we highlighted the first two panel discussions of Seton Hall University's three-part Black History Month sports media panel series. Co-hosted by a renowned broadcast journalist and Hall alum Bob Lee and College of Communication and the Arts professional-in-residence B.J. Schechter, who also serves as editor and publisher of Baseball America, Michael Smith, Elizabeth Newman, Jay Billis, and Scott Burrell discussed diversity and inclusion as well as the college sports model. For the third panel discussion, entitled America's Pastime, A Hard Look at the Future and Challenges in Baseball, Lee and Schechter welcomed Fox and MLB Network broadcaster Tom Verducci and two former Major League players, Doug Glanville, an ESPN analyst and author of The Game From Where I Stand, A Ball Player's Inside View, and Dontrell Willis, a Fox analyst and Dodgers special assistant. The panel convened in the days following the resignation of Seattle Mariners president and CEO Kevin Mather, who told a Rotary Club that some Mariners didn't speak English well and said third baseman Kyle Seeger was overpaid. Glanville, who, as Lee interjects, was questioned by police while shoveling snow in the driveway of his Connecticut home, explains the need for more diverse leadership in society. Well, takeaway is that 
you know, he, he put it out to light. And I think that's important. You know, the conversations that we've been having have been trying to get at some realness about uh, these perceptions, these viewpoints that also dovetail with power. And I think that's the big issue because as a player, or if you're trying to buy a house in a neighborhood, whatever it may be, when someone has this level of power over your future and your fate, and they have that type of view on you, it's highly problematic. Of course, it plays into your opportunity. Of course, it plays into your future when and that is the leadership. And so all these teams and organizations in the league can use this opportunity to look inward and say, hey, you know what? Uh, we don't approve of this, although we recognize that he might have put a neon sign to it, but this exists in very subtle and nuanced ways also. And, and having that sort of wherewithal and the instincts to understand that it doesn't have to be a, you know, a cross burned on your lawn, so to speak, but it actually exists in these more subtle ways is, is important. I think that's been a big part of the last year of just having listening sessions and hearing that things that are mundane and basic are not really simple for many people in our society that are disenfranchised or, or are discriminated against. It comes in very subtle ways. It comes in ways that seem unexpected. But I know for me, like basic things in my life are not really that simple. Buying a house, getting a cab, getting my kids in school. Everything comes with this supercharged awareness. Shoveling that you, snow in your case. Shoveling snow in my driveway. <laughs> which, which, which led to a new law in the state of Connecticut, those that aren't familiar with Doug's activism, about police uh, jurisdiction. You know, so I, yeah. Absolutely. And, and so those things are not taken for granted. So we could we could learn a lot from that. And so his, the way he's framed it, you notice that, yeah, he talked about money and he tied it to Seeger, but the, the players of color, the international players got treated with this disrespect around their cultural identities. And, it, and I think it's a distinction that's important to make. One, one you're talking about their bottom line, the others you're talking about who they are. So, um, so you gotta look at that. And, and that is the problem when you don't have voices of diversity at, at leadership levels. Uh, even at the, even the best of us, when you have an echo chamber around yourself, your ideas are gonna be narrow and limited to that echo chamber. And that's all the more reason if baseball wants to grow, one opportunity to do that is to get as many of these voices to represent the game so that all of us feel welcome. Willis, who grew up in the Bay Area, explains the important role Oakland A's pitcher Dave Stewart played to him and fellow future major leaguer CC Sabathia. You know, I always think of baseball being America's pastime ran by regional stars and promotion of the game. You see the other leagues, the NBA, the NFL, they promote their stars nationally and regionally very, very well. It's amazing how you know who a football player is when he wears a damn helmet for three and a half hours. <laughs> but you you know who these guys are on every single team. I think Major League Baseball can do a better job of that. And uh, me and C. Sabathia, we love Dave Stewart. And the first time I got to see Dave Stewart warm up, I knew right there that's what I wanted to be. Dreams are good, especially for positivity. And so... We need more Joe Adele's. We need more people wearing their hat to the side. And you got to understand, I wore my hat to the side in 2003, and people thought I was disrespecting the game. I'm like, I'm just left-handed. I don't know if I'm or not. You know what I mean? I'm that goofy. But again, now when I'm out of the game and the players are calling me OG at 39 years old, they all wear their hat to the side. As a mentor himself now in the Dodgers organization, Willis explains his coaching philosophy. I teach by failure, not by success, if that makes sense. So in the last couple of weeks, the kids have been able to respond to me because I'm brutally honest 
but at the same time, I'm not disregarding the analytics when I speak to them. And I think they need to be able, especially front offices, hire people uh, that have had success and had adversity at the highest level. And so I feel like I can provide something like that. And I'm pleased, I'm not talking about me, but I just think they need to be able to balance that. Yes, you need numbers to tell a story, but at the same time, you need to be the, be able to bring people in that have had success and failure and tell them how they felt on the mound or tell them how they felt out the, at the plate and be candid and be honest about it. And I think when they see some, the sincerity from somebody, that's when they gravitate to that person because they know understand that they care about their career. So for me, I'm very brutal and honest. I saw a kid last time, uh, uh, last week, throw eight straight balls. And I said, hey, kid, you got to step back and make an adjustment or you're going to sit home and watch Family Feud with me. And he started <laughs> laughing because he understood. It's like, hey, you don't need numbers to understand that. Hey, you don't have feel. Back off, take a deep breath, and focus on the command. But the problem is he's got a gun behind him and he's worried about his velocity. So it's like, hey, but you just walk the base is loaded. So it doesn't matter if you're throwing 97 miles an hour, we need you to execute. So it, it needs to be a, a beautiful balance with that. The Dodgers are doing a great job. The Reds are doing a great job. You see the Marlins are taking a turn now, but it's also a balance of power, which we'll talk about later, but you just have to be a, a honest person and be candid with that. And that's what I've done thus far. For D-Train, players can and should show their personality, but they also need to know the fundamentals of the game which led him and the Marlins to the 2003 World Series title. This talking about the personality of the game is so critical. And I think ultimately people are too sensitive, you know. And so when I give up a home run, I'm not looking at the bat flip. I'm looking at the damn ball flying out of the stadium. You know what I mean? So I don't understand that aspect of the game. I love the energy. It's a crazy thing. And I'm sure a lot of people from Seton Hall will like this. But when we played the Yankees uh, in the World Series in 2003, they were supposed to run all over us. And we understood we have to play our style of baseball. And one of the greats, Juan Pierre, he says, we're going to play our game the right way. And I swear, game one, he gets a base hit. To the left side, still second. Luis Castillo moves the runner over, and then Pudge hits a sack fly. We're up one nothing. That took all of four minutes. <laughs> so you know, if you're looking at perspective, it's like, oh my God, the Marlins are for real, and they understand how to play the game the correct way. I mean, half the stadium wasn't even sit sat down with their hot dogs and their beer. And they're like, the Yankees are down one nothing. So you know, I I tell that story because it's so important. And you see, in postseason baseball, it's always that that situation comes up, moving the runner, and the guy fails at doing that because he wants to hit a run, bunting, little things like that. So I'm always uh, really, really hammering home, play the game the right way, play small ball, and you'll be a champion. So, but again, does it get you a $30 million contract? Uh, who knows, but you got to play the game the right way. Verducci juxtaposes the speed with which the Marlins took the lead in the World Series 18 years ago with last year's fall classic and explains how the game has changed and not for the better. It's actually an existential crisis that's facing baseball here, and it is the pace of action in the game. It's not the time of game. It's the pace of action. The amount of nothingness that happens in a game today is really turning people away. I'll give you an example. In the last game, the last World Series game, game six, the clinching game, if you were watching the last 26 minutes of that game, you saw two balls put in play. <laughs> Two balls in almost a half an hour. This is happening at a time when not just young people, but all of our brains are literally being rewired. 
There was a study not too long ago that showed that when we're on platforms, different devices, our attention span shifts every 19 seconds. The amount of time between pitches is now up to almost 24 seconds. And that's gone up three seconds just since 2008. We don't have to go back to 1950. The game has changed enormously in the last decade for the worse. It's the amount of dawdling and nothingness. And a lot of the dawdling is created by the amount of information in the game. If you watch a baseball game now, you don't see athleticism deciding the game. You see thought process. You see pitchers taking cards out of their caps to know what the sign sequence is. You see fielders checking cards in their pocket to know where to play. You see catchers looking at wristbands to know what to call. You see hitters reading tablets in the dugout to know what the pitcher is throwing. We need to get back to an athletic game so it does not look like the nuclear science lab at Princeton where everybody's <laughs> reading. Looping back to Willis on Stewart being a role model for him, Verducci describes his solution for connecting today's youth to baseball to grow the sport going forward. I'm really big on things that make an impact on the grassroots level. And I thought that teams themselves can be much more involved, even if these kids never turn out to be major leaguers, and most of them would not, to make some of their alumni, the former players, available, say, on a Saturday at a local field, have a shed at the local field full of equipment, have one of these baseball ambassadors come out there to play pickup baseball, arrange the game. I don't want it to be overcoached. I don't want a bunch of rules. I want people out there have access to fields and equipment with somebody they can look up to as a role model and go play baseball and fall in love with the game. That's where it comes from. These structured programs are great if you're talking about developing major league prospects. And I have no problem with that, but we can do more for all those who maybe are not going to make the major leagues, not even come close. But you know what? They will be a generation of fans who come to embrace baseball that hey, I like this game. All the studies have shown that if you touch baseball in some way as a young person, especially if you go to the ballpark, but if you play the game as well, you really never lose that connection. You might go away for a while, but then later in life, you have kids, you want your kid to have the same kind of experience that you have. So I'm really big on, on reaching kids at you know that level between eight and 12 years old, where you're, the world starts to open up to you and opportunities and what's possible Make it possible that baseball is a part of their life, whether they're major leaguers or a fan of the game. For more information on Seton Hall's College of Communication and the Arts and the Sports Media Speakers series, go to shu.edu forward slash communication dash arts forward slash sports dash media dash speaker dash series dot cfm. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes. And find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.